Thanks, Matt. Good morning, guys. It is great to be with you today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, your Bible app, you can get to Matthew 1. We'll get there in just a bit. I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, we had a great first service and uh, water baptisms, which we're going to do some more of at the end of the service today. Let me just add my little uh, underline to what Matt said. Guys, Christmas is like the Super Bowl for churches. It's a big deal. And I want to encourage you to go to our Facebook page. You can share about Cammie. That's the, uh, we're doing Carol Sing, some goodies, then Cammie and the Sweeplings to do a concert this Wednesday. Come back. That's going to be a blast. But um, when we do our Christmas Adam and Christmas Eve services, uh, man, I, I just want to encourage you, invite people to come. And then we're the church that really serves our community, but we serve one another too. And you can help a lot by signing up to, to be a Connections team, to be a smiling face that hand out candles and, and or the program that night, and then, uh, or to help in Adventureland. Again, it makes a big difference because you're making it possible for people to come and be a part of this service. And I love Christmas, so thanks for doing that. Um, we're going to continue our series called Love's Journey this morning, and you know, I, over the last month or so, six weeks, I have flown quite a bit, uh, like eight different flights, thousands of miles, and I'll be honest, uh, I enjoy flying, but it's lost a little bit of its luster. Uh, it's, it beats walking, and it's better than a long car ride or a boat ride, um, but it's not quite as exciting or as comfortable as it might have once upon a time been. But have you noticed how flying brings out the worst in some people? I mean, the absolute worst. I mean, they, they, maybe they're stressed, maybe they're tired, maybe they're worried, I don't know, maybe they're just grumpy by nature. But uh, it can really be tense uh, for some. I was on a recent flight to Orange County, and I overheard a couple behind me. I don't know if they're married or if they're just boyfriend, girlfriend, but whatever their nature of their relationship. At that moment, it wasn't very pretty. She called him a jerk, and, and he called her a name that I can't repeat in church. And it was not good. It was not pleasant. And the entire area all around them, you've been in those situations, right? Maybe on the way to church this morning with your spouse. We've, you know, you've been in that situation where all of a sudden it's just really, really ugly, and, and it wasn't a pleasant experience. And it made me think about something, how powerful words are. Words are incredibly powerful. Now, actions speak louder than words. Yes, I'll give you that. But words really do matter. The positive nature of a word can inspire people. And the negative word or negative phrase can actually make uh, people pretty miserable. Uh, words like hope and peace. Man, aren't those, like, those are very warm, fuzzy words. Hope, peace, we love words like that. And generally they bring a, a good response. But words like jerk, or here's one that's been in the media a lot lately, words like ISIS, uh, that's immediate uh, stressor for a lot of people. It, it's a, it's, the reaction is not typically very favorable. Now, some words, it depends on the context in which the word is used. For example, uh, I can use the word marriage. And if you're uh, having a great time with your, if you're married, you're having a great time with your spouse, and you're having a wonderful season of your marriage, then marriage is a very, you know, warm, happy word for you. If you had a fight this morning with your spouse, then maybe it's not so happy. If you're married and you don't want to be, then it's not so happy. If you're not married and you want to be, then it's not so happy. The context that a word is used can make a difference as well. Here's another one. Context makes a difference. Christmas. The word Christmas. For some of us, like me, we're Christmas fanatics. I love Christmas. I love pretty much everything about it. And uh, others, though, and I understand this, it's a stressful time. Uh, maybe they have difficulty with family. Maybe this is their first Christmas without someone that they were close to. I remember the first Christmas without my dad back about 15, 16 years ago. And it was, there was moments where I thought, man, normally I'd be calling my dad right now. And, 
and uh, having a conversation with him and wishing him a Merry Christmas, but he wasn't there. So there are, again, contexts where some words are good and some words uh, maybe not so good. The point is words matter. They do matter. And today, I'm going to focus on a word that matters a lot, but it's one of those words where context can be interesting. It's the word obey, or maybe I'll use the synonym obedience, another version of the word obey. And we're going to talk about obedience or obeying in the context of the Christmas story. And again, I'm well aware of the wide range of emotions that that word can bring about. If you're a parent, the word obey probably falls under the good column. If you typically break the law, you speed or you're stealing from your employer or doing something else that's not legal, then obey might not take you to your happy place. But regardless of how you feel about the word obey or obedience, when it comes to our faith and our relationship with God, it's one of those words, obey, that really matters a lot to him. Why? Well, because obedience is the pathway to blessing and adventure. And that's one of the things I want you to walk away with today. Why does this word obedience matter? Why does obey matter? Though some of us have a negative reaction and or some of us have had that, maybe we've been browbeaten into obeying and, or obeying God or whatever and we think it's a negative thing. But why am I saying this can be a very powerful and good word? Because obedience is that pathway to blessing and adventure in the kingdom of God. God is not asking you to obey him because he's mean. He's not asking you to, to walk in obedience because he's grumpy and fed up with you because he doesn't like you. That's not it at all. God knows that the best way for you to experience the abundant life, the, the plan that he has for you, the destiny he has for you, the best way for you to experience life in all its fullness and the awe and wonder of following him is as you learn to say yes, that you walk in obedience. And obedience is that pathway to blessing and adventure. Psalm 128.1. The psalmist wrote this. Those who stand in awe of the eternal who follow wherever he leads and walk in obedience, experience his blessings. Great scripture. Let me read it again. Those who stand in awe, revere God. The, the King James says those who stand in fear of the Lord. But it means in awe of the eternal. Who follow wherever he leads and obey him, walk in obedience. They experience God's blessings. In fact, without obedience to God, we will miss at least some of the blessing and adventure that he has planned for us. However, if and when we do obey him. I'm here to tell you, I've walked with Jesus for a long time. And when I obey him, it's good. And it leads to adventure. It leads to, to sometimes a, not always an easy life, but a full life. But when I disobey him, it's bad. Obedience leads to this relationship with God that positions me to really walk in the blessing and the plan that he has for me. I love the characters of the Christmas story, the characters of the narrative. And we're going to take a look at one guy in particular today. But I love the faith of a peasant girl named Mary. We'll take a look at her story next week. I love the worship of the lowly shepherds, the, the, really the, the lowest of the low. These guys were not famous, not popular. They were kind of the dirtbags of that society, and yet they came. They were invited, of all people. They were invited to come, and they came and fell at worship of Jesus. I love the story of the great sacrifice of the wise men of the East who came, and, and again, with great gifts and worshiped him. But one of my heroes is a guy named Joseph. And you, most of you know that he's the surrogate father of Jesus. He's the mother, the father of, uh, of, surrogate father of Jesus, the husband of Mary. But I love this guy. He's an unsung hero in the story. And anyone who's wondered whether obedience is worth it or not, well, I hope by the time we get done looking at his story, you'll think, yeah, it is. It's worth it to obey God. Matthew chapter 1, let's look at verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18. 
This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But Joseph, uh, before they came together, meaning before they had sex, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, and he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me just explain. Think, well, I thought they were engaged, and why is the divorce an issue? Well, in that culture, in that time, when you were you know, engaged, you were committed. There was, a, there was a vow, a covenant. And for that to be broken basically required a divorce decree as well. And so Mary is pregnant. It wasn't because of Joseph. He had a mind to, to, put, to, not, uh, to divorce her, but not to expose her to public disgrace. Verse 20, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua, means the Lord saves. So literally, you're going to name him God saves, the Lord saves, Jesus. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, here it is. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union. Again, he had no sex with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is an amazing story about an amazing man. And Joseph is a great example to us of what it means to trust in God and to obey him no matter what the cost, no matter what the challenges may be. In a time where a lot of Jews had a form of religion, but really that was empty and devoid of much relationship or passion, the scripture says here in verse 19 that Joseph was a righteous man. Now, a lot of us guys will read, they go, well, that leaves me out of the loop because I'm not a righteous guy. Well, righteous here doesn't mean that he was perfect, doesn't mean that he never did anything wrong, doesn't mean that he was without sin. It simply means that he had this love for God, a passion for God, and that he was a faithful observer of the, the law, the, the law of the Torah, the precepts of the Torah, the law of Moses. So he was righteous in that he loved God and he did his best to follow God. But I love this other piece of Joe that we don't have time to unpack this morning. It says that he was not only a good and righteous man, but he was tender-hearted as well. He was tender-hearted towards Mary. How do I know that? Well, verse 19 again, look at it. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I want you to use your imagination. And some of you, you don't have to use it very much because you, you can relate to growing up in a small town. But imagine you're growing up in a small town where everybody knows everybody. That's Nazareth. That is the city, that's the town, not even city, that, that, that uh, Joseph and Mary lived in. They grew up uh, together. They probably knew each other from the time they were young. Joseph was older, but everybody knows everybody. This is a small town. I've been to Nazareth. Lots of hills, very steep. There's nothing really special or pretty about it. It was considered by the Jews kind of Hicksville. It's not a famous place. Nobody, you know, when they say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's because Nazareth was kind of, eh. But... That's where they lived, and everybody knows everybody, and everyone's going to know that Mary's pregnant, and nobody's going to believe some crazy cockamamie story that it was immaculate conception, that it was by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, sure, uh-huh. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Imagine how embarrassed he must have felt, how he was concerned about his reputation. Again, he was a righteous man. He was known as a guy who obeyed the law, Follow the rules. And now his fiance is pregnant, and everybody, they don't have to make a big leap to come to some conclusion that, well, I guess Joe and Mary, you know. No, and he's thinking, man, how am I going to get out ahead of this? I've got to let people know that I am not the father of this child. 
Imagine how betrayed and confused he must have felt in his relationship with Mary. I mean, think about it. You love this woman. You want to be her husband. You want to marry her. And suddenly you find, she comes and says, uh, Joe, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pregnant, and it's by the Holy Spirit. And, and keep in mind, this had never happened before. It's not like they can refer back to, you know, well, remember when Mark and Debbie had this happen to them? No, it never happened before. This is, there's no reference for this. It's not like, well, yeah, remember, no. Immaculate, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that doesn't happen. Joe is confused, he's hurt, he's embarrassed. And there's a part of him that probably really wanted Mary to suffer some public disgrace, to be publicly humiliated, and to get what she deserved. But because he was tenderhearted, because I think he did love her a great deal, whenever that idea came to his mind, he pushed it aside in favor of what the Bible says, a quiet divorce. Well, so what else can we learn about this guy? Well, Joseph was obedient to God no matter what the personal cost. That's the other thing that amazes me about him. Not only was he willing to say yes and to follow and to do the right thing, but he was obedient to God even though it cost him. Look at verse 20 again. The Lord appeared to him, said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. What's conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. She's giving birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. And then when the baby came, when Jesus was born, he gave him the name Jesus. The indication here is that Joseph acted in obedience without delay. Woke up from the dream. And that very day, he didn't delay, he didn't debate. He did what God told him to do. And the incredible thing about Joseph is that even though it was tough, can you imagine? Again, think about it. This was not on his like, list of things I hope happens to me in my life. This was not on his bucket list. And yet he made the choice. He trusted and obeyed in God. In fact, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord told him to do. And he even went as far as naming that son. When Jesus was born, he said, this boy will be named Jesus. And by the way, in that culture, a little side note, historical note here, the very act of Joseph naming that baby meant that he was publicly embracing this child as his son. So he was committing himself to this baby to the one who would call, be called Jesus. And in doing so, make no mistake about it, he sacrificed his reputation, his good standing, his honor among a community that didn't think this was okay. And without question, he and Mary lived for a long time, for a long time, with the whispers and the looks that would come. Oh yeah, Jesus, remember, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, remember, the Holy Spirit got her pregnant. I mean, they lived with that, he lived with that. His obedience cost him his reputation. It cost him his honor. It cost him perhaps friends. But Joseph obeyed nonetheless. He obeyed. You see, sometimes it's difficult to trust and obey God, especially when we don't understand. You know, when we get it and we understand it, we, oh, yeah, okay, I see where this is going, God. I understand that this is the reason you're doing this. Then it's a little easier to say yes. But when we have no real big idea, we, we are like, I, this doesn't, add up. This doesn't make sense. And trust me, this didn't make sense to Joseph. He simply went on faith and said, I will obey. I will follow. Faith and obedience are the pathway to wonder and adventure. It's often hard. I'm not going to pull any punches here. You need to understand that sometimes uh, what God asks us to do is inconvenient. 
And it might even seem crazy to some. And it will cost us. But God expects us to obey him no matter what the cost. Because that's what's best for you. That's what's best for us. That's where we experience the adventure of following Jesus. I'm sure most of you have seen the Salvation Army with their red kettles out in front of the stores. And you've all seen this picture. You've seen these, these guys, ladies out there. What you may not know is the story behind this. So let me just give you a little bit of history lesson here. The guy who started the Salvation Army, his name was uh, William Booth. And William Booth um, had this passion, this vision for the poor. And he was, in fact, though, persecuted by the Church of England, the most powerful church on the, on the planet at that time, uh, certainly politically influential and powerful and religiously powerful. And he's in Great Britain, and he starts this, this thing called Salvation Army, um, Lord Shaftesbury, one of the leading politicians and evangelists, in fact, for the Church of England, called William Booth the Antichrist. Not something anybody wants to be called. Uh, he, they had complaints about him, uh, about William Booth, and part of it was because he was pro-women. He, in fact, publicly stated that the only reason women uh, seem to be in fear is because they've been given less education and because of cultural customs. That did not make him popular in 1865 where it was a very male-dominant, male-chauvinistic society, where women often weren't as educated and didn't have the opportunities afforded to men. And William Booth said, that's not okay. That's not the way it should be. Members of the Salvation Army were in prison for preaching the gospel on street corners because they weren't a part of the official church of England. They supported the temperance society, which did not make them popular as well. And they were a target for violence and persecution again and again. William Booth personally experienced a great deal of it. But he kept going. Well, I love this story because he kept going. And today, the Salvation Army is actively involved in over 100, I think 109 different countries. Hundreds of millions of people have been assisted through disaster relief, through uh, food for those who are in need, housing for the poor. Why? Because one simple man, this guy, one simple man, William Booth, said yes to God. And most of us, you know, we, would, we really wouldn't be able to imagine the impact of him saying no. We just think, well, there wouldn't be red kettles around. What you don't understand is hundreds of millions of people over the last 150 years have been incredibly impacted and cared for in the name of Jesus because this guy said yes because he obeyed. Obedience, when it's easy, when it fits into our agenda, when it's something we want to do, it's not that tough. But when it costs us, when we're persecuted, when we're called an idiot or foolish by our family or our friends, obedience is tough. Let me bring this home for you. Let's make it personal. Some of you, I know because I've talked to you, some of you have struggled with obedience in some areas of your life. You've struggled with unforgiveness. You've struggled to forgive someone who's wounded you, a spouse, an ex-spouse, a child, a parent. And you've heard me talk about forgiveness before, and you just go, you know, when I'm ready, when I'm there, I'll do it. But don't push me. And you don't understand. It's not me. The Bible says, forgive as you've been forgiven. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Forgive as you've been forgiven. We choose to release others of our judgment. Some of you have struggled saying yes to God in that area of your life. Some of you struggled with giving. And I talked about it a month or so ago, and there are people who literally got up and walked out as I talked about giving because some really don't want to hear that we are to be faithful in support of the kingdom of the church and what God's doing. Some of you struggle with water baptism. 
The last service, we had a bunch of people get baptized. In fact, we doubled the number that, that were supposed to get baptized because a whole bunch of people said yes to Jesus today, and they got it, and they did it for the first time. But some of you, you've heard me talk about water baptism before, and you go, yeah, when it's, you know, it's, I'm waiting for that right moment, you know, when Aunt Martha can come from Minneapolis and be here, and, you know, and it's, the planets are aligned, and I'll get, and you've, you've, you've used every excuse in the book. And you've heard me say, and I've said this so many times, this is not optional for Christ followers. The Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. It's the Bible. Jesus was baptized in water as an example to his followers of what we ought to do. And again, some say, well, I was baptized as an infant in the Lutheran or the Catholic Church. Listen, let me be clear. I honor what your parents did. I do. But that was their faith. The Bible says you, as an adult, as a person of understanding, as, a, as, a, as someone who gets it, you respond, you repent, you get baptized as a public declaration of your faith, your love, your followership of Jesus. The Bible says repent and be baptized, every one of you. And whether you've been a Christian for a day or, you know, a week, last week you picked up a New Believers packet and you made the decision, or whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, if you've not been baptized in water, the Bible, it's not me, the Bible says, this is what I want for you. God says, this is what I want for you. And I promise you this, those who obey, respond to God in obedience, that's where you experience an amazing adventure. That's where it will be a stake in the ground for some of you. Some of you today, at this service, it's kind of odd. We had a bunch of people signed up for the first and a bunch of others that stood up to get baptized. We don't have anybody signed up right now in this service to get baptized. But I'm, I'm, I'm holding up. Somebody came to me with staff member. Do you want to do it this service? Yeah, because there's at least one of you. One of you at least is going to say, you know what, it's time for me. And here's, here's what I need you to hear. Ready? We're giving you zero reason to say no, because we have extra clothes and extra towels. Woo! You don't even have to go home wet. You think it's winter, I'm not driving home wet. You don't have to. We've got clothes for you to change into that you can get baptized in, extra clothes and extra towels. And in just a little bit, when I pray and give you opportunity, I want you to go over there and, and, and sign up with Sarah and say, yep, today's the day I'm going to say yes to Jesus. The fact is that it's proven throughout Scripture over and over again, that obedience is the pathway to adventure and to blessing. From Abraham in the Old Testament in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, to John the Beloved, all the way in Revelation, to the very last book of the Bible. Every book, every book in between, we see this over and over again, that when men and women say yes to God, when they obey him, they experience wonder and awe and adventure and faith and life full life. They experience the destiny that God has for them. When we follow God, when we choose to obey him, sometimes we'll pay a great price, like Joseph did. But that's the pathway to adventure. Can you imagine Joseph again, the incredible privilege he had? Think about it. I, you don't know how often you've let this kind of, I've, I've meditated on this before. What would it have been like to have been Joseph? Joseph raised the savior of the world. No other man in all of history had that privilege. He raised Jesus. He's the, he was the surrogate. He watched Jesus take his first step. He pulled some of Jesus' teeth like most dads do. Yes, Jesus lost teeth. He, he picked him up when he scraped his knees. He taught him how to build and how to use a hammer and how to, to work. Joseph had the awesome privilege of being the father to the Savior of the world. Why? 
Because Joe said yes. Yes. Some of you have thought following Jesus is boring. And you're in the process of investigating Christianity. I'm glad you're here. But I'm going to tell you, it's anything but. Because when we follow him, when we say yes to him, that's where we discover all that we were made for. That's where we discover our God-given purpose. And that's where the adventure lies. Some of you felt like, well, I've been walking with Jesus. And it's just not that, it's all it's like cracked up to be. It's kind of boring. Well, I want to challenge you. It's not boring if you learn to live in a lifestyle of saying yes to God. I promise you. It'll rock your world, and you'll be experiencing more of his life than you have ever thought possible. Again, it won't always be easy, but it will always be worth it. And Joseph models for us. I love this guy because he models for us this lifestyle of faith and obedience. And he shows us what God can do through one man, one person who says yes to him. One last story, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to finish in worship and Watch at least one, maybe more, of you get baptized in water. Years ago, I don't know, four or five years ago, a single mom came up to me the Sunday after Christmas. And she said, I've got to tell you a story. And I love stories. By the way, if you ever have a story, I love stories. She said, I've got to tell you a story. She said, here's what happened. I had saved, scraped together about $100 for, to buy Christmas gifts for my two kids. And I remember my older kids were at five or six or seven. She said, I'd scraped together 100 bucks." to buy them Christmas gifts. About a week before Christmas, I go into Target, or as I affectionately call it, Target. And she says, I walked into Target, and I'm going to do Christmas shopping. And I ran into an old friend, another single mom, and that mom was there to buy diapers. And we had this conversation, talked for a little bit, and it was cool. I gave her a hug. said, well, Merry Christmas. Great to see you. And as this mom turned around to walk away, the Lord spoke to her heart. Now, she says, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't weird. She said, but I just knew, I knew that God spoke this to my heart. He said, I want you to take out the 100 bucks out of your purse and give it to that lady. Give it to your friend. And she said, I did. She said, you know, I knew it was God. It's like, okay. And for a second, I thought about arguing with God, but that's the money I was going to use for Christmas, and, you know, Christmas is a week from now. She said, but I just knew it was the Lord. So I took it out of my purse, and I gave it to her. I said, hey, come back here for a second. Come here, come here. She says, and she said, I took it, and I just slipped it in her hand. I said, I just want you to have this to go buy some gifts for your kids for Christmas. And the lady turned and looked at the cash. And she's crying, and their friend's crying, and they're all bawling, and Tarjay, and, and uh, it was amazing. And, and, and then she says, and I walked out. I didn't buy a thing because I didn't have any money. She said, so I put together a couple of handmade things that I wanted to give my kids because I didn't think I'd have any money. I, I just knew I wouldn't be able to buy anything. So I had a couple things that I'd kind of made for them. She said, I came to the 4 o'clock service. Christmas Eve service, went home, it's about 6 o'clock, and I'm sitting there in front of the Christmas tree, my kids are running around, and there's nothing under the tree. And I'm realizing, wow, um, I, I guess this will be pretty short tomorrow morning, there's not a whole lot of things to open. And she said, but I didn't feel bad. She said, I'm telling you, she said, I, honestly, it's like, well, Lord, if my Christmas gift, and then when she said this, I start crying, which, no big surprise. She said, she, she said to the Lord, she said, Lord, if my gift is the fact that I was able to give and bless my friend, and that's, that's enough for me. She said, I barely got that out of my mouth. When it was ding-dong, she heard a doorbell, her doorbell. So she got up, ran to the door, and she's thinking, who's the Christmas carols? It's like 6.30 now on Christmas Eve. Who's showing up at my house? And she opened the door, and there's nobody there. It's like nobody there, but there's a pile, hundreds of dollars of Christmas gifts, wrapped gifts, and a pile outside her door. She, she, she said, I just collapsed, and I, I just I was started weeping, and I couldn't believe how good God was to me. 
Now, a couple things you need to know. One, her yes led to that adventure. But she said this to me, and boy, is this mature. I was astounded at her maturity. She said, but you know what, Kurt? I realized even though I pulled those gifts in and set them under the tree and I was grateful and thankful that even if that hadn't have happened, it still would have been enough that I said yes to Jesus and blessed my friend. See, sometimes we say yes and we see immediate blessing. It's like, whoa, boom, God just pours it out. Sometimes we say yes, and on this side of eternity, we don't get to see anything. We may not experience what she did. But she had that mature attitude that says, but what matters most is that I said yes to him. But I had somebody pray for him. Father, I know there's some uh, sitting here right now, and some perhaps listening online, and they're wrestling with something you've asked them to do. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I know the minute I mentioned that, the Holy Spirit put his finger on that thing, that act, that word, that sacrifice, that choice. The Holy Spirit, you, you put your finger on that in their heart right now. And I pray, Lord, for these people that I love so dearly. I pray, God, that they will choose to say yes, that they will obey you. Not because you're mean and cruel, not because of fear, but because, Lord, they realize that that truly is the path to adventure and faith. That's the path to experiencing the blessing that you want for them. And that they would see you as a good father who asks us to do sometimes even hard things, not because you don't care, but because you do care about our life and about the experience of our life of faith following you. And so I pray, Lord, right now, that many would say yes to you, that they would leave here today saying, yep, it's time to forgive. Yep, it's time to give. Yes, it's time to sacrifice. Yes, it's time to get baptized. But that they would say yes to you right now. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a minute. Maybe you're here today, and you've been investigating Christianity, and you just know, you just know today's the day. It's time. It's time for you to say your first yes to God to embrace the gift that I keep talking about. You've heard me talk about the gift of salvation, the gift of God's grace and mercy. That this Christmas you want that gift and you, you know you need it. And today you're ready to say yes to God and to surrender your life to Him. To surrender your past, present, and future to Him. Ready to embrace Him and ready to follow Him. And you're just, you're ready to say yes today. I'm going to pray a real simple prayer. And I'm not going to sing you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I tell you this. What matters most is what's in your heart. We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth. But what you right now, what you need, the first step is for you to believe. To say, yes, God, that's what I want. That's what I need. And I'm going to ask you just to make this prayer I'm about to pray your prayer. Just own it. Say, yep, that's me. That's what I want. And the second, that moment you do, the Bible says, that's when you cross that line of faith. That's when you become a child. That's when you become a father. Make this prayer yours. Father, forgive me. I need you. I need forgiveness. I, I have sinned. I have failed. I've tried life my way, and I'm, I'm surrendering to your way now. I need a Savior. I need grace. I need mercy. I need forgiveness. 
And so right here, right now, right now, I'm saying yes. Yes, take my life. Yes, take my sin. Yes, take my present, my past, my future. Yes, take everything. Because I, I get it. You gave your everything for me. So in this moment, I'm becoming yours forever. Your child, I'm yours. Now, if that's you, just take a moment to say, yep, God, that's me. Well, he said, that's what I want. That's what I need. And I'm yours. I'm going to follow you from here into eternity. It's the beginning. It's not the end by any means. It's the beginning of this journey of faith. And this is your first yes. And you'll stumble along the way. We all do. But you'll grow. And you'll understand that life with God is a life of surrender and saying yes. That's where the adventure lies. Lord, seal that in their hearts. Show them what you're doing. But today they are yours. They belong to you. But for all of us, Jesus, remind us today that we need to walk out of here being willing to say yes to you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to take a couple songs. Guys, we might have to do three if they give us a heads up that there's people getting changed. Because here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Where's Sarah? Sarah and Nathan are right there by that door. Again, we have towels, we have clothes, we have everything you need. You can go change in the bathrooms right outside that door. Sarah will get you signed up. We'll get you up here and we'll get baptized. And I love the way we do this. A, the water's warm. B, we're going to celebrate. We're going to worship and fill this room with praise. What a great way to surrender, to, to, to acknowledge your surrender to Christ and your love for him as we publicly do this in a group that's just worshiping Jesus. And if you know somebody, you think, well, I know that guy, or even if you don't, God says, go be with that gal. Then you just come on up, just stand right up here with him, come right up. So some of you, right now, you just need to go. But some, as soon as we start to sing, you're gonna go and see Sarah. Don't hesitate, obey. You'll be blessed, I promise you. Let's worship and I'll come back. Let's pray together. Father, it is the wonder of your love that is the reason why we exist, why we're here is that love that drives us to uh, want to follow you, to want to obey you. And Lord, for those that have made that decision today, in any area of their life, I pray that they would leave here knowing that you've made them smile. And for those, Lord, that maybe feel like, man, I've missed it, or I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm not ready, or I should have, I could have, Lord, I pray that they would not leave here today feeling guilty or shame, but that they would feel stretched and know that, God, you're never, ever, ever gonna give up on them. That's the love, the wonder of your love for us. You are love. Thank you for that, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, I know there's, uh, I just know, because I've been doing this long enough, that there's one or two of you that just didn't want to be the only one or two. Next time we get baptized, we do this. Don't hesitate. We do it every two, three, four months. You just watch for it. You do it. And God will bless you for your obedience. Before we leave today, a couple things I want to remind you about. One, if you begin your life's Christ follower today, tell somebody we want to walk with you in this journey. On the tables, by the doors, it says for new believers, got a packet of information you start and walk with Jesus, a free Bible. Take this. We want to give this to you. I want you to take this today. There's lots of these there as well. Again, we'd love to run out, so we have to make more. Love's journey. They're not for you to use as bookmarks or to put up, you know, on your magnets in your refrigerator to give them away. Take them. I've been giving them to Ristas and the girl that cut my hair Tuesday. Just give them out. Guys, they're going to go somewhere. Overwhelming majority of them are going to go somewhere. If you just say, hey, are uh, you looking for a Christmas Eve? We've got this. And they won't go, what are you doing? They're going to thanks. Thanks for the invite. 
give them away. My wife takes them and invites all our neighbors with a plate of cookies, and they show up. It's cool. I love it. So do that. If you need prayer, prayer team will be down front. There's communion available on both sides of the room. I really want to encourage you guys. Come back Wednesday night, 630. We're going to have some goodies and do a carol sing-along thing. I'm going to leave, which will be kind of fun and crazy. It's a family event. And then after that, Cammie and, and the Sweeplings are going to do some Christmas songs and perform for us. And she's amazing. You'll be blessed. And then again, go to Facebook page. Start sharing. Guys, go to East Point's Facebook page and start sharing the video that you saw at the beginning of service. Share the thing about Cammy this Wednesday and let's, let's be bringers and includers. Here's my prayer. Go this week. Commit it more than ever before to say yes. Yes to Jesus and experience the adventure in doing so. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Go see Ox.